Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain, where each episode we'll sit down with entrepreneurs, investors, and industry veterans to discuss innovation, technology, and the most exciting opportunities in trucking and logistics as we build the future of supply chain together. Be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Now, let's get into the show. Here's our host, Santosh Senkar. Hey, ladies and gents, welcome back to the Future Supply Chain Podcast. I'm your host, Santosh Sankar, and joining me today, all the way from Chicago, is Priya Rajagopalan, Forkite's Chief Product Officer. Welcome, Priya. Thanks, Santosh. Great to be here. So I had the opportunity to meet you, uh, I think, in early December um, up in Michigan, and uh, I, I knew after our dinner conversation we had to get you on the show but for some of our listeners, they might just be getting familiar with supply chain. Uh, would love just to start off with a high level. What is Forkites? It's a known brand in the industry, but please do fill in the gaps for some of our more novice listeners. Sure. Uh, so uh, we are um, five years old. We were founded five years ago with a sharp focus on bringing real-time visibility to freight that is in transit, right? Historically, uh, transportation uh, has been based off of typically EDI messages, right, for freight and transit, which uh, is nothing more than a way of uh, just providing milestones, if you will, right, to the receivers along the way on about where the freight is. Uh, the issues that that has um, is one of latency and being after the fact. And so what we were the first to do was to establish this new software category of real-time visibility within transportation. And the way we do that is by actually connecting to the in-cab devices or the ELDs or GPS devices that actually sit within the trucks, which allows us to bring back information in real time. So, you know, within the past five years, you know, we've been fortunate, right? Um, We have a number of very large shippers on the platform, actually about 350 of them at this point. And so um, thanks to them, I'd say the platform is pretty robust and we have representation across a pretty wide set of industries. Sure. And how did you get started building software for supply chain? (laughs) What was your journey like into the industry? Sure. So my background is all uh, B2B software, right? I've been in enterprise software for a long time. So, you know, very comfortable with all that that implies, right, which is just typically, you know, building software for highly matrixed orgs with complex needs. And so when I fell into a conversation with Forkites, there was just so much to be excited about, right? It was a pure greenfield opportunity. We were just getting started at the time. I joined Forkites back in 2016 when we had about 30 people or so, uh, right around the time of our uh, Series A. And uh, so we're now up to about 500 people. Uh, we've raised over, uh, at this point, $100 million. So it's uh, absolutely been a fantastic ride. And so you've, you've got in uh, B2B background. You've lived, breathed software uh, for all of your life. Um, and you're tackling this visibility and transparency issue in supply chain. And I've had you know, industry executives tell me that it was the same opportunity or problem area that they've discussed since the 80s, maybe even prior to that. Give our audience a sense of like, what is the shape, size, and scope of this problem? 
because it's something that we talk about, but it's actually a really, really big thing. Yeah, I, I think that's a great question, right? There are, um, and I think what has made this journey possible for us is that there are some key differences, if you think about it, both on the supply chain and the demand side relative to the 80s or even the 90s, right? So on the demand side, uh, you know, we all, uh, obviously all of us in supply chain are very familiar with the Amazon effect, right? And that has significantly raised customer expectations. So, you know, if I can get super granular updates like two stops away for a, uh, a transformer, $10 transformer toy that I ordered for my kid, right? Then why am I not getting those kinds of updates for my truckload of freight that potentially costs hundreds of thousands of dollars? And so this is, you know, this is in fact a key question that supply chain executives all over the country have been asking, right, in the last few years. So from a demand side, certainly I'd say expectations are significantly different and in no small part at all due to one company and that company is Amazon relative to the 80s and 90s. But when you think about the supply side, what actually makes this a reasonable question to ask and one that has expectations of being fulfilled uh, is the fact that, you know, we've had um, the ELD mandate, right, that went into effect uh, December of 2017. And so, uh, for those that may not be familiar with this, uh, NELD is the electronic logging device that, again, is the in-cab device that sits in every truck. Um, but what that means is that virtually every truck in the United States, uh, with the exception of those that are more than 20 years old or, uh, you know, pre-2000, has to have a device on board that transmits location, among other things. And so what that means is a provider like ourselves uh, can, in fact, you know, in, choose to integrate with these devices and have access to real-time visibility. And finally, I would say, um, you know, when you think about it from a tech standpoint, right, technologies like uh, machine learning, what they do for you, and of course, you know, AI is a bu buzzword in and of itself, but when you think about this type of data, um, just, just the progress made in technologies like ML have now made it possible to derive tremendous insights from this data. So all of this was not possible in the 80s and 90s, right? And that's that's why I would say this this promise of real-time visibility uh, is very much real today. And There's a number of these factors, both from the demand side and the supply side, side that have coalesced to make it possible. Sure. And, you know, when, when we think about the consumer world versus the enterprise world, there are a lot of differences. And, and one of the key differences in enterprise is just the variety of systems and subsystems, right? So I think when I was looking on your website, you have over 40 TMS ERP integrations, uh, over 330 ELD integrations, 90 plus dispatch integrations. So is the approach that you're taking at Four Kites one of where you're able to integrate all of these different systems and I guess sources of truth to actually then derive that right reading around visibility and then I guess once somebody knows where something is you could then do a lot of other interesting things around process automation what have you yeah absolutely uh, Santosh that's a great way of uh, uh, putting it right so we've always been focused on you know building high quality data from the ground up and the reality is in supply chain right with the extreme fragmentation you have this is a combination of what one might think about as elbow grease, really, and best-in-class technology. And let me explain, uh, you know, how I think about it, right? So we have a team of, uh, you know, close to 80 folks that are 
right here in Chicago, you know, 100% focused on carrier onboarding, right? They work closely with our carrier partners as well as with our shippers to ensure that these connections result in high quality data. And when you think about it, you talked about, you know, all of the ELDs and the dispatch systems and so on, but we've got thousands and thousands of carrier integrations as well that we need to monitor, right? And so across, you can think about the different permutations and combinations of these, uh, but there's a very, very large number of integrations that need to be monitored uh, at all times. And so we have a suite, what, you know, when you think about the evolution of our platform and some of the investments we've had to make, you know, when we first started, the world was a lot simpler. And so even as our shipper base has grown, the carrier base has grown, all of these integrations um, have grown, uh, we've had to invest in a suite of monitoring tools to make sure that, hey, if there's any drop in number of loads by time of day, by day of week, right, connectivity, you, we have automated alerts triggered, somebody makes the call, because that's the important thing, right, to recognize that it's all not going to be perfect 100% of the time, uh, much as we would love to say that, yep, we have a suite of APIs and that's it, it's all taken care of. Mm -hmm. That's not the reality of it, right? You've got to be, you've got to recognize that in this world, data is going to come in uh, different formats, different methods. Not everyone is going to be technologized to the same extent. And that then determines, you know, the connectivity, right, the quality of data you receive. And so um, we also have a team of 200 engineers. And the fastest growing team there is our data science team. So just the scale at which we operate right now, you know, we have more than 600,000 loads at any time in the system, active loads. Wow. And so that, that allows us, yeah, so it's, it's a tremendous amount of scale, right? And so that's allowing us to build predictive models to account for the gaps, right? Just as an example, DRE is frequently a gap. Uh, it's just a black box, right? Brokered mm -hmm. loads sometimes can be, so we're making no assumptions that the data is perfect, clean, or always available. We'll collect it in whatever format we get it. We will do the QA on it before it enters our system. And then most importantly, we will fill the gaps because we know there are going to be gaps. And so um, that's the commitment that we have to our shippers, right, through technology, through data science, and then we have the people and the processes to help catch um, failures when they occur. Sure, sure. And uh, so you've actually then bucketed um, a lot of what you do into what I kind of define as five modules, uh, the network solutions, arrival management, analytics, and then the core platform. Uh, I'd be curious, like, what's the one module you're operating at, at great scale? Uh, you've gotten a lot of these key integrations together. So now there's all kinds of opportunity. What's the one module you're most excited about uh, as you look at the whole Four Kites product suite? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, and as I reflect on it, I'd have to say, Santosh, that it's not actually any one module per se that I'm most excited about, right? It's what cuts across them, right? The, the synergies, uh, because, and ultimately that is, of course, the job, my job, uh, right, to, to make sure that all of these are operating together to give, when you think about the resulting the, we have analytics, of course, that we build across all of them, but you referred to it earlier, right? Uh, what you can do uh, if you have granular data at every level is that what you're then able to do is be able to be a lot more prescriptive, right? And that's really the piece that excites me about all of these different pieces, right? As they come together, uh, the access to real-time data, uh, 
you know, and the tremendous amounts of it. So simple examples would be, well, across all of our shippers, for example, right, they use a certain set of carriers, they're flying certain lanes. Uh, I gave you a sense of the volumes we see. And so if you think about something like being able to do lane level benchmarking, right, for that's, that's uh, or dwell time benchmarking, that I would view as something that is just agnostically, right, shipper carrier agnostically just good for the industry, right? If I'm going to get to, as an example, um, Walmart in Topeka, Kansas at 3 p.m. on a Friday, and we can tell the driver that, hey, if you get there at 3 p.m. on a Friday, your dwell is going to be six hours, but if you get there at 10 a.m. on a Friday, you're going to be in and out in 90 minutes, right? His turns are faster. The shipper's happy because they're not paying detention. Nobody wants to be doing that. And the carrier turns around and there's that capacity is released back into the industry. And so those are some of the, I would say, some of the capabilities that I'm most excited about. And they don't come from any one part of the ecosystem per se, right, or any one part of our portfolio. Uh, we're able to do them because we have these products working together to produce the data that allows us to derive those insights. And so I think that is really where the push is going to be the rest of the year, um, the next 12 to 24 months for us, is um, thinking about, you know, we we are all about real-time data and then leveraging that to get more and more predictive for our shippers, right? So a simple example could be if you've ever taken – um, you know, if you've um, ever used Waze on an Android phone uh, and you have a flight to catch, that would say, hey, at, you know, if your flight's at 6 p.m., it's going to say at 3 p.m., hey, it's time to go because it's factoring in real-time traffic and weather. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's exactly what we do. But we're looking at the data, right, in the system across, you know, across the, that lane, across all of our loads to be able to say, hey, here's real-time traffic and weather that we're seeing and what's more we're going to look at your historics for that facility and say we see that your dwell time on a monday at 12 noon is going to be x hours so factor that in and therefore your truck needs to arrive at pickup before this time and flag that you know for the shipper like 24 hours in advance right so they can better plan and for the carrier and so those are the types of things that are not necessarily the result of any one of these but if you look at what I just described, that literally draws from, you know, what we would think of as, you know, half a dozen different parts of the platform. Sure. If that makes sense. Sure. No, those examples, I think, were were extremely valuable. We'd also talked about, like, what, what you've ultimately done is you've been able to grapple with the fragmentation in the industry. So not just systems. You also mentioned kind of the thousands of carrier integrations you've had to go through. But looking ahead for a bit, and the, the one thing we have as VCs the privilege of doing is that we can think in 10, 15, 20-year horizons. So I'd be curious, given uh, you're an expert in the visibility market, kind of where is there opportunity as you look ahead for the next 10 years? And then uh, maybe as a follow-up question to that, where is there oversaturation? So where are people maybe spending too much attention today relative to maybe another area that you think they should be spending time on? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, from our, um, you know, from our standpoint, right, so we started ground up with what I would consider to be the most complex uh, part of the industry, right, really looking at real-time data from trucking, right, um, and so you've got a couple million trucks on the road, half a million carriers, right, the fragmentation is uh, 
is on a crazy order. And so, and we've been at it for five years now. Uh, and it's um, funny because when we started off there, you know, we were the first really to talk about real-time visibility and now it's a thing. So it's a pretty frothy space right now, right? There's a lot of noise. Uh, and so I think some of the most interesting things that, um, the most interesting use cases we see in the industry, which are real complex uh, problems that are not um, super easy to solve necessarily, uh, are, for example, multimodal, true multimodal visibility, right, end to end. Uh, and we have the help of some extremely large shippers that are literally moving imports and exports, right, across you know, ocean to rail to over the road, uh, and accounting for the drill for a dray, for example, you know, from the, the the port to the decon facility. Those are the types of use cases that we're solving. Uh, and again, we have some extremely engaged shippers moving in large volumes, and so uh, I certainly have the battle scars to show for it. But I feel like that's a super exciting thing to do because in order to do that, you can start. You know, we started from the over the road space and we moved into the other modes. Uh, others have started, obviously, from, for example, ocean or air, and um, are trying to move into the over-the-road space. And so the fragmentation um, here on the trucking side makes it extremely hard to do that. So I think that's an opportunity um, uh, which, which I truly think, right, if the industry is able to solve that, that is something that unlocks a lot of value for shippers. Uh, some other opportunities I'd say that that are truly exciting in the visibility space are we believe that visibility, you know, there's in-transit visibility, but it doesn't just um, end at the yard, uh, end at the gate, right? It can be extended into the yard and to be able to bring together uh, transportation or bring transportation um, to the yard, right, that, that um, the, the real-time data around that to actually be able to make intelligent decisions based on when trucks are going to get in and out. I think those are some of the capabilities that uh, when I think about the visibility space and where it's going that I'm super excited about, of course, along with some of the other things we talked about, which is just getting as prescriptive as possible, uh, yeah, as early as possible. Got it. No, I, I completely value <laughs> that perspective because um, you sit live and breathe it day to day spending time with customers engineers having to to deliver which kind of leads me to um, a few questions around company building if I may um, and you have this interesting experience where you were able to join four kites I believe you said um, around uh, right prior to when they raised the series a um, and now you're in the scale out period where I believe you raised a series C last year. So I'd be curious, like what is the biggest difference in managing product back then to where you are today <laughs> as an organization? Yeah, the way I think about it, obviously, um, you know, there's, there's some things that I, that's, uh, that I think are obviously very different now, both in team, terms of, you know, uh, team size and scale and all of that. Um, but there are some things that stay the same, right? And I think those are the important things. So I think how we got here, you know, when I joined, it was right after actually our Series A and we had probably less than 10 customers. Um, and I think the how we grew was by staying extremely customer, laser focused, right, on the, um, on the sharpest pain points for our customers and solving those. And 
we were fortunate again in that we had great, great early customers, right? Um, again, some of the largest shippers in the world um, who, who felt the problem was sharp enough that they decided to take a chance on a little startup in Chicago and worked very closely with us. Uh, and we stayed focused, uh, you know, laser focused on solving their sharpest pain points. And I think that principle of customer intimacy, even as we have grown across verticals, across you know, we started in um, food and CPG and, you know, with, with those, with a handful of those customers and now we have over 100, C, you know, 100 customers in just CPG alone, right? Um, but uh, yeah, even as we've extended to other vertical markets, you know, chemicals, um, pharma, where we have four of the top five pharma companies uh, using us um, for visibility, international markets, and we have stayed true to that, that um, approach of being laser-focused on the sharpest pain points to solve. And I think that has helped us, even as we scale, right, making sure that that's what we're focused on has helped us a lot. Um, in terms of, as I think about the process itself, now, of course, right, um, you know, I come from the enterprise software world, so I'm used to dealing with a lot of customers, and this feels, this is starting to feel, at least on a couple of product lines um, or on our core tracking, like a lot more um, of what I've seen in my past, right? So we have, of course, um, now our roadmap process, uh, you know, involves multiple teams, right? We make sure that, you know, internally we have a good um, method of actually funneling in all of the potential enhancement requests. We plan not just, you know, we're super agile, we release every two weeks, but we're actually planning at least, you know, out for the whole year. And we try, again, we want to be always super responsive to the market, uh, but we, we do try and give the entire organization, right? So even from an organizational enablement standpoint, we make sure that everyone is clear on what our key goals are for the year, not just in prod product and engineering, but across the, across the entire company. Um, the other thing that I would say, um, you know, we with so many, with hundreds of customers, of course, one of the things that um, as a product team we deal with is just the amount of input from so many directions. And so one of the things that we've done pretty successfully and which is, again, a reflection of having grown um, at scale is that we have an online community where our customers, which our customers participate in. And so we have enhancement requests and as they come in they're upvoted by other customers right and so mm. in that sense there's a natural customer driven prioritization that emerges and we have product panels then that are constituted with those customers right to say let's talk about this what is the use case you're trying to solve and then we take it to the rest of the customers and say hey you know would you guys does this make sense to you and so in that sense right where you know when I joined, it might have been me literally on those calls, and it was, yep. right, um, having, you know, 10 of them a week. Now we have, I would say, processes that that have allowed us to scale those more efficiently, but we stayed true to our core principles of being extremely close to our customers, right? And we're fortunate. We have fantastic, fantastic customers. You will never hear me say this enough because I feel extremely lucky, right? They're thoughtful. Um, and they're pushing us the right way to think about the right things. Uh, and then finally, right, innovation is, you know, our lifeblood. It's in our core DNA. So we continue to uh, to innovate and push the bounds. Uh, but obviously, as post-series, you know, as a post-series C startup, we are making sure that we, we have the gates in place uh, to ensure that, you know, the innovative concepts, again, are rooted in true customer problems. Sure, sure. 
And um, the, I, so I had a, a question from one of our founders, um, and he in particular was curious about how, as you built more and more customers and were looking to grow, you thought about scaling integrations, especially in this highly fragmented market. How did you even rationalize that and think about tackling that problem? Yeah, it is definitely, I would say, the one of the h- hardest parts of our platform, right? Which is that, uh, you know, with every ca- with every shipper you inherit or they bring along a network that's unique to them, right? Of carriers who use their own ELD devices and dispatch systems, and there's not necessarily much of an overlap. And so, scaling integrations is, of course, a critical part of the puzzle. I would say we talked about this a little bit earlier, but it is that combination, right? Of uh, people process and technology with respect to carrier onboarding. Uh, And so from a tech standpoint, you have to invest in the right frameworks uh, right from the start that allow you to be flexible on data inputs. You know, from a people standpoint, you have to invest the time up front in determining the right process and most importantly in training, right, because that team is going to grow quickly. uh, And so you've got to invest enough in training. And then finally, you know, and this is where the data science of it comes in, right, and making those investments because you have to have technology to fill in the gaps because you and your shippers know that there will be black holes, that the data isn't perfect, that stuff won't work, both from a monitoring standpoint as well as from a data science standpoint, you know, tech has to help fill in the gaps. So I think it's all three of those that, that re- you have to have in place, uh, you know, from a people process and technology to really scale integration. Sure. I guess going along with the theme of this industry, it's highly fragmented. You have many differing schools of thought around adopting new technology or continuing to invest in existing technology. How have you approached this concept of bottoms-up growth, Um, especially given this industry might not be as tech-forward as maybe some of our cousins in healthcare or just traditional enterprise SaaS? Yeah, uh, I think it's true that the industry or industries even, right, that supply chain touches, it touches so many ecosystems, right? They operate with technology building blocks that, you know, you and I and others might say are legacy or old fashioned. And that's absolutely true, right? Um, You know, your customer to make it concrete, right? Your customer may have tens of thousands of points of sale across the world. And so you have to make assumptions very carefully about the technology stack that you're operating on. And yet you've got to get your ML-powered analytics and insights to the, you know, to the right place and time. Um, so I would say that even though we might think of these as, you know, hey, there's, there's legacy systems or building blocks in there, uh, I would say in terms of actually figuring out, you know, what they want their, you know, from a shipper, from a customer standpoint, right, what they want, their business needs and where they're going, um, I would say without a doubt these are as astute as execs in any other industry, right? And um, I think we would all agree that there is just tremendous change right now convulsing the supply chain space. And so the leaders in that space are um, quite an interesting uh, group that way, right, because they have to be visionaries who are able to cope with this tremendous change. Um, and then they're deploying, you know, obviously transportation budgets that are frequently nine and uh, ten figures even, right? And so their logistics uh, 
in the logistics execs and so their job is literally to make the trains run on time literally and uh, but yet they have to be thinking very smartly about how they deploy these large budgets and so uh, you know i feel fortunate certainly in having customers that um, you know both think big picture but also have a great command of the details and so in that sense i do think um, even though we may think of the industry and uh, as not necessarily having the most tech forward building blocks in space uh, in many ways right they are they are having to straddle both right uh, you know handle these building blocks but at the same time because of all the change that is coming have a plan on you know very concrete plan on how they take their company and um, the entire and you know a supply chain uh, along with it sure right move it move it forward yeah no, I think those are all good points. But with that, Priya, we we covered a lot uh, in in a in a short period of time. But I really do value your opinion on the visibility market. But then also practically providing some perspective and advice around those that are maybe thinking about similar things or facing similar challenges to you as you've gone through the journey uh, leading product at Forkites. But with that. Thank you very much for, for joining us and look forward to see what uh, the future has for you and the team up in Chicago. All right. Thanks a lot, Santosh. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a five-star review and tell us what you liked. And be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Until next time.